Big moves have been made, and the Western Conference seems to only be getting tougher. No surprise there from the Sacramento Kings perspective. But can the Kings get away with playing it slow, being patient, taking their time while other teams are making big swings? Howard Beck joins me to discuss that, plus more on the Kings offseason right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Before we get started, big shout out to all of you Locked On Kings listeners who stopped by the uh, the the show, the live stream that I did partnering with Bleacher Report this morning. I uh, I hopped on with them and put together uh, a uh, like three trades essentially that I would like to see the Kings make, or I could see the Kings making before or on draft night. First off, shout out to Bleacher Report. Big thanks to them for partnering with me, giving the opportunity and the platform uh, to to do a show for them. It was a fun partnership. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of new listeners in there who weren't familiar with my work, had a lot of you Locked on Kings listeners who stopped by to show support. I really appreciate that. You can go and check out uh, that uh, that that show right now on uh, if you have the Bleacher Report app or go to bleacherreport.com, you can go to the uh, the Kings page essentially, uh, and it should be on there. But here are the three trades that I put together just so you have uh, an idea. Uh, some of these we discussed before. I did a Harrison Barnes sign and trade for Jonathan Isaac. I did a Barnes sign and trade plus Davion Mitchell and a 2028 first rounder for OG Ananobi, which I don't think the Toronto Raptors would accept. Uh, and I did the number 24 pick on draft night plus second rounders to the Houston Rockets for Jay Sean Tate. So those are the three trades that I put together. Plus I discussed like why I would like the Kings to go after DeMar DeRozan, but it's not realistic. Talked about the difficulty of trading Rashawn Holmes. It was a really good show. So uh, I appreciate Bleacher Report again, and, and I hope you can go and, and check that out if you haven't already. Now let's focus on this show. Having Howard Beck on is always a treat. He provides the great national perspective while also be very, being very tuned into what the Sacramento Kings are doing and have done. He provides great perspective on why uh, on, on the Kings resigning Harrison Barnes, on the perspective of the Kings around the league changing in a positive way, uh, on the Kings trying to make a move for OG Ananobi. Uh, some stuff that you might not want to hear, and of course focusing uh, on the timing of the Sacramento Kings now and weighing being patient versus striking while the iron's hot and kind of going for it this summer like a lot of other teams are. So please enjoy and please respond. If you want to respond to anything that Howard and I discuss, you can do so on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Howard Beck. Things are heating up this offseason. It's draft week. Trades are already being made. Free agency is right around the quarter. And to help me make sense of all of this and to provide a little uh, national perspective, actually a, a massive national perspective, our friend Howard Beck is back here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Howard, as things uh, heat up here, it's nice to finally have the offseason going. It really seems like basketball is just, with the exception of August, like it's, it's year-round at this point. The NBA is... is threatening the NFL in terms of being Kings uh, or the King year round. So uh, I'm excited for this time. 
Uh, yeah, and especially this offseason, because as you and I speak, we're like two days removed from the draft. And I think we could see fireworks on draft night, not just with the draft itself, but a lot of trades surrounding picks. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I think could happen once we hit July 1st. And of course, Bradley Beal already happened. And because of the new CBA and teams ducking luxury taxes and aprons and all kinds of other fun new penalties and, and pain, um, <laughs> we're going to see, I think, a very active summer. It's, I, mean, I feel like there are no boring off seasons in the NBA anymore, but I, it's all on a spectrum. And I, I do think we might see more fireworks than the norm uh, this summer. So uh, brace yourselves folks. Yeah. With everybody gearing up, it's, it's almost weird because I'm preparing myself from the Sacramento Kings perspective, the same way I prepared myself for the trade deadline, which is I think it's going to be relatively quiet. Like, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Now, I could be completely wrong on that. I was right at the trade deadline. The offseason is a completely different story. We know the Kings are actively pursuing, or at least reportedly actively pursuing, like an OG and Anubi trade. So it's there's potential for big moves from the Sacramento Kings. But what I wanted to focus on a lot with you, Howard, is kind of the timing of this offseason for the Kings compared to other teams. You just had that big splash by the Phoenix Suns. They're forming their own super team down there in Phoenix. Uh, the uh, the like the Pacific Division is just getting stacked upon stacked upon stacked as, as every day goes on. But I, I feel like the Kings are in a position right now because this team has not even been together a calendar year that they're if they were to just re-sign Harrison, re-sign Trey Lyles, essentially bring the same core back and run it back and see what that does, that's not necessarily the worst move in the world considering what all these other teams are doing. I have two uh, views on this that are going to be contradictory. Um, <laughs> Excellent. I frequently do this. Um, <laughs> one is that they don't need to do much because, yeah, uh, they just had their breakthrough season. They're young. They're improving. I think, uh, you know, year two under Mike Brown, year two of, you know, Fox, Herter, Sabonis, Murray, um, Murray becoming a sophomore after, after having a, a pretty outstanding rookie season. All of these things. And because all the, the pressure release just happened, right? You know, a thousand years without a playoff appearance. It's over. The, 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 the drought is over. The beam is forever lit. Uh, I mean, I think maybe the part of the offseason is just like, finding enough batteries in, in the greater Sacramento area to keep powering that thing. I don't know how many double A's that, that beam takes. I suspect it's a lot. I don't know if you saw Howard. they're testing a new, bigger, brighter, thicker one. It was over <laughs> oh, Sacramento the other night. So <laughs> it's coming back bigger than ever. <laughs> uh, eventually the, all of Northern California will just be one big uh, glow of purple. Um, <laughs> so I don't think there's a lot that they necessarily have to do. I don't think there's necessarily pressure from, ownership from fans internally to do anything big and bold or to do anything other than, you know what, let's let this thing take its course. Obviously you're never sitting still in this league. You're always looking to make moves around the edges and be opportunistic, but no, the, the majority of work is already done. And I think they can, they can afford to be not standing pat, but just staying the course while looking for ways to, to tweak around the edges. All that said, they were third in the West in a year in which the Suns were better than their record and the Clippers should have been better than their record and the Warriors should have been better than the record and the Lakers definitely were better than their record once they made those trades. So standing still might actually cause you to lose ground. And as we sit here on June 20th, 
discussing this, look, the Suns just made a big move for Beal that I don't really love that much. But part of it is because of their, their lack of, of depth and defense and various other things. But they may yet trade DeAndre Ayton, and they have a whole summer to replenish their roster and figure out how to best build around this new core. So the talent, the offensive talent especially, is really high right now with that trio. I'm, a, I'm not sure what the Suns really are, or how, how potent they will ultimately be, or how durable they're going to be for that matter. So I don't know where to put them. Uh, my buddy Zach Lowe on his podcast this week said, you know, they're, they're no worse than the second best team in the West behind the Nuggets right now. Okay, they might be. Um, they've got work to do to get there. The Grizzlies have the John Morant thing. We know he's going to be out probably 25 games, although who knows? There may be an appeal. Maybe that comes down a little, but whatever. Jaw's going to miss at least a month of the season, maybe, maybe two months of the season. But a young, improving team also, like the Kings, um, very different than the Kings, but young and improving, probably not going anywhere. We know the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. The Clippers, it's, we're back to will Kawhi Leonard and Paul George stay healthy or will they make some bold move and maybe even trade Paul George, which some folks around the league have suggested to me is, is not off the table. Um, the Warriors will keep their core together, I think. I know Draymond Green's opting out, but I think he's going to be back. Um, the Lakers are probably running back the group that they finished the season with. So at minimum, it's just going to be a lot tougher to repeat what the Kings did. 48 wins in third place. I don't – so – this is part of the, the this is the counter argument to, to standing pat. Nobody else is standing pat. Um, and I don't know how this is all going to pan out, right? We could have the same conversation a month from now, and it, it might be very, very different because all of these teams will have made some significant moves, perhaps, uh, or will at least have a better sense of who they are. And then meanwhile, of course, the Thunder are on the rise for sure. The Pelicans, <laughs> maybe the Pelicans trade Zion, maybe they keep Zion. But if, 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 if there's a healthy Zion, the Pelicans last December were an incredible team before they started getting injured. They were number one or two in the West for like most of the month of December. And then they started having all the injuries. So, and the Mavericks are going to obviously bring back, I think Kyrie and then figure out how to build around him and Luca. There's just a lot, there's a lot there. And the Blazers maybe trading the number three overall pick to get immediate help for Dame. Um, so it's going to be crowded. It's going to be competitive. And everything I've just laid out to you, is, as I'm sure what the Kings front office is also discussing, like, guys, is it good enough just to stand pat? Look at what's happening around us. Um, I will add one final quick, quick tangent to that or, or just addendum um, as long as I'm being long-winded. The good news is even if all of those teams um, bounce back and have big years and even if the Kings sink a little bit based on that, the, the longer-term, short-term outlook is great because the Suns are built around an older Kevin Durant and the Warriors are built around an older core and the Lakers are built around an older LeBron. Like The, the, the Kings have the window here that some of these other teams I'm talking about, Clippers included, do not. I What I've been doing is, is looking at kind of two sides of a spectrum and, and deciding which one I can more live with. One of the sides of the spectrum is running essentially the same team back expecting improvement maybe there's minor improvement in like defensive metrics or or maybe they uh they they maybe drop a, a seat or two in the playoffs but put together a better playoff performance i would love to see this team actually get out of the first round and make it to the second round there's tangible improvement there but let's say they don't accomplish that let's say they're a first round exit again through whatever circumstances and they ran this team back um i can live with that i think more than i could live with the king's trying to match the Suns or match these other teams with a major move this offseason um, that 
maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but they set themselves up into a position next summer where they have to worry about paying Sabonis, worry about paying Malik Monk, and then they have, let's say, if they get OG or let's say they get whatever player like that, their contract is up in two years. They have to worry about Keegan Murray down the line. They have to worry about De'Aaron Fox down the line. Like, I think I can live a little bit more right now with the Kings playing the patience game more than the going for it right now. Although I understand wanting to strike when the iron's hot and we know Monty McNair is always keeping his eye out for that, that big swing deal. If it makes sense, like he did with the DeMontis Sabonis trade, but I feel like maybe it's the safer route to just keep this group together and trust that Mike with, now a year together with playoff experience that if they got back to that spot, they would be better and look better than, than how they performed. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, they can identify exactly why they're not. Let me rephrase that. They can identify exactly what's standing between them and true title contention. It's defense. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, sure. There's a bunch of other stuff you could work on, but defense, like they're, they're a great offensive team. They got to figure out a way to be a great defensive team. Now, the good news is the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> the Denver Nuggets just proved you could be a eh, defensive team in the regular season, uh, be elite offensively, and win a championship by just playing dedicated defense when you need to. Did they have the biggest offensive juggernaut to face in the finals? No. Were the Heat the typical, you know, they didn't fit the profile of, of a typical finals team at all especially in this era where offense rules, the heat are, are the antithesis of it, right? They were, they were, you know, leading with their defense and their offense was uh, hamstrung, you know, or just, you know, not, not spectacular to say the least. Um, but the Nuggets just won a championship without being a top 10 defensive team. And that had been kind of the, the, the barometer for decades, the very rare to be outside the top 10 in the regular season in defensive efficiency and win a title. So maybe there's a path. I still think you got to improve on that end. So can you do that just by, well, we'll just take these same guys and make them play better defense. I, fans always think that way. I feel like, like, I don't mean to just put it on fans. We, we all do this like, Oh, well, you know, defense is just effort. No, no, it's actually more than just effort. <laughs> um, it's a lot of things. And just preaching defense is not enough. It's not just about the coach or whether they have great defensive schemes. Tom Thibodeau is regarded as one of the great defensive minds of the era and if you look at the defensive ranks of his Minnesota Timberwolves teams and a lot of his Knicks teams in New York, they haven't been that good. It's not because he doesn't preach defense or that he doesn't know defense. It's because personnel matters. And the Kings have a, a, a built-in uh, obstacle. They've got Damanis Sabonis as their center, and he's not a rim-protecting center, just as Jokic is not a really rim-protecting center. Now, Jokic can play defense and, and affect uh, a team other ways, um, he's also a lot bigger than Savonis. Um, so the, the Kings have to figure out a way. And I think the Nuggets maybe are a model in some regard in that, okay, typically you build your defense around, you know, or you'd like to build your defense around a shot blocking, rim protecting, paint filling center. But if you don't have that, what's the other way? Well, in the Nuggets case, they got Aaron Gordon and Catavius Caldwell Pope and, and got a lot of size and, and, got a Bruce Brown and found other ways to build a team defense that did not rely on somebody erasing all your mistakes in the paint. Is that the model? Is that the path forward for the Kings? Is it just a matter of Keegan Murray now becoming an elite uh, defensive wing and Kevin Herter getting a little better and Harrison Barnes or whoever eventually replaces him being a, a big time diversity defender? 
Maybe, maybe. But I think, again, if I had to guess, the, the, they're, they're having conversations maybe somewhere along those lines in that front office. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. And if you've heard me talk about BetterHelp and therapy before, you know how much I enjoy this sponsor and how much I appreciate this sponsor uh, here with Locked on Kings because therapy is something that actually truly means a lot to me. Mental health is something that's a lot more important uh, in sports and in the NBA than, than it was even five years ago. And I know for myself, I always had, I kind of bought into the the negative uh, feelings towards therapy and my problems aren't big enough or I don't need that. That's only for people with like severe depression or, or, or whatever issues that they might be dealing with with significant demons. That's not true. Therapy is for everybody because we all have issues that we need to unpack. Mental health is essential and I discovered that during the pandemic, started seeing my therapist, really honestly fell in love with therapy and, and created a bond with my therapist that I'm very thankful for uh, to where he and I meet every single month. Uh, and he is someone that has helped me work through a lot of past trauma that I didn't even realize I had and, and also just helps me get through day to day stuff like little things, uh, whether you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is great. It's entirely online. It's de designed to be convenient, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Uh, BetterHelp gives you opportunities to try out different um, therapists because so much of positive therapy is about finding the right therapist for you. You fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if that connection just isn't working for you. I'm telling you, once you find that connection, it's great. Find that balance with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. One of the, I think, most ideal in from the Sacramento perspective pieces to address that defense while also fitting the the core of what the Sacramento Kings are trying to do in their time frame is OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors. Last time we were together, Howard, we discussed this. And if I remember correctly, you were pretty skeptical on like if this if this deal would would happen or if this was something that that realistically the Sacramento Kings could pull off. According to reports, uh, the Kings are still aggressively pursuing it, which I think makes sense, but pursuing and actually pulling it off are two completely different things. Like from your perspective, what I'm really interested in is, is like yesterday's price is not today's price. I think if the Kings called the Toronto Raptors at the trade deadline last year, there's they're saying we want OG it's start with Keegan Murray or we're hanging up the phone right now. Maybe the Toronto Raptors are feeling the same way now, but are the Kings in maybe a bit of a better position today than they were at that point to say, no, like we feel like we can get this deal done with Keegan Murray off the table. Do you think it's more realistic or do you still think this is a, it, like OG to Sacramento is maybe a little bit of a long shot? OG anywhere might be a long shot because, you know, to date it hasn't seemed like the Raptors are really that interested in trading him. Mm. If that changes, if the Raptors decide, you know what, it's time, we're going to pivot um, and OG's available for the right price. And I don't know what that right price is. Um, the competition is going to be stiff. So you can't keep Keegan Murray out of it. I'm sorry. Like you just can't because the Grizzlies are going to be in on, on these talks. Um, who knows? Maybe the Nuggets get in on these talks. Um, the Lakers could try to get in. I'm just looking over teams that would make sense. The Heat would absolutely try. Uh, the Sixers would absolutely try. The Celtics might try. Um, the Bucks should. Like, and I'm not saying all these teams have great assets to deal either. The Cavaliers absolutely should try. Um, the Knicks should try. There's a lot of teams 
a lot, a lot of teams that are either already contenders, but Ananobi could help put them over the top, or are second tier type playoff teams, some of which I just named, who Ananobi could really, you know, push into the top tier. All those, like every half the league could be chasing him if he's available, which means you have to make a competitive bid, which means probably a ton of picks and probably one of your best or at least, you know, one of your better players. And you're not trading Fox in a deal built around like, you know, Herder and Harrison Barnes and picks is not going to do it, right? Like, sorry. Like, it, it, and if you're the Raptors, I'm pretty sure you're asking for Keegan Murray first. And if the answer is no, you're probably hanging up the phone. So you don't, you don't get something great without giving up something in this league. And, you know, in, in an ideal world for the Kings, they'd find a way to, to get something for nothing. <laughs> Every team would love to do that. I, I just, you know, I, I mean, I'm curious, like if you've workshopped it, do you see a path to, to OG and Anobi that does not involve Keegan Murray and that the Raptors would actually consider? I don't. And, and I've been, go. I've been pretty clear with that. Like, I think, I think OG to the Sacramento Kings is, is a long shot because, and it's not saying that I don't want OG here, of course, because I know the Sacramento Kings, and I was going to ask you about this. I know Sacramento Kings view Keegan Murray as a future all-star. They might be wrong. Like that's what they view him as. So if they're trading Keegan, they're confident that they're bringing in a player that is right now what they believe Keegan Murray can be. And I don't necessarily yeah. know if they view OG so, as that guy right now. And this is one of the really fascinating things when we have these conversations. And I'm glad you brought this up, Matt. Um, the teams always have a better beat on their guys than we do. Mm -hmm. They know them better. They see them all the time. They've talked to them. They've worked them out. They did pre-draft uh, scouting and psychological profiling. And then they've, then they've brought them in. And now they've been in the gym every day and they see how hard they work and they see uh, what they're working on and they see how responsive they are and how coachable they are and how dedicated they are. So they see all these things. And if internally the team has the view of a young player like a Keegan Murray as, you know what, we, we got a special one here. This kid's got all the right things. He's got all the right tools. He's going to work his butt off. And we see perennial all-star in his future. That gives you the kind of confidence to say, you know what? Let's keep the guy on the rookie scale contract mm -hmm. and let this thing evolve and be patient rather than making some, you know, blockbuster deal that looks good on day one, but which is going to cost us more. It's going to put us in the luxury tax sooner. It's going to cost us not just our, our young player that we're so high on, but all these future assets in terms of draft picks. Let's just let this thing evolve. And again, I'll come back to what I opened with. The Kings have the, the luxury of doing that. They just broke through. There is no pressure to win a championship tomorrow. There is no pressure to even win the West and get to the finals tomorrow. Sure, the bar is raised. The second you break through, the second you have a season where you're a top three team in the West, the bar has been raised. And now everybody will expect them to repeat it. And if I'm right that they might actually sink a couple spots because the rest of the West is going to recover and, and possibly pass them temporarily. It'll look bad in the near term, potentially. Um, but the smart organization is, is understands all that and is saying, listen, we're, we're, we're just at the beginning of this thing. And these other teams, as, again, as I alluded to earlier, are all showing signs of, of fraying because they're built around older stars. Our time is going to come, whether it's this coming season or the year after or the year after that, we can afford to wait. We can afford to be patient. You said something there that I want to focus on. You brought up the luxury tax. I think 
the Sacramento Kings are on a one-way train to an eventual luxury tax bill with the looming extension for Sabonis, which they have to do. The, um, I mean, an, an eventual extension for Keegan Murray, assuming they keep him long enough. Malik Monk needs to get paid this offseason. Fox is going to come up for another big contract eventually as well. Plus, any big piece that you want to add down the road to maybe get you from middle playoff team to actual legitimate championship contender. If that, if that becomes available, I think the Kings and and maybe this is for every single team. Like if you want to build a core and if you want to build a team that is going to compete for championships without doing the Lakers model or without having the market to just attract big name free agents every single year, you have to be willing to step over that luxury tax line. Do you, do you think like the Sacramento Kings are, 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 are going to be, facing a luxury tax bill and that's something they just need to accept if they're going to develop into that championship team that they want to be or are there ways to dance around it most owners in this league have a a pretty simple view of this which is the gm comes to them and says uh hey uh boss how's it going having a good day so um i have this spreadsheet here Shows we're going to be paying all these luxury taxes. It might cost you like, I don't know, extra 10 million next year or 50 million or a hundred million or, and the owner says, Oh, interesting. Um, are we going to compete for championship next year? Mr. GM. Mm-hmm. That's how that goes. Mm-hmm. Some version of that. Um, and, and, and that's really, and especially for a smaller market, that's, that's the calculus. I think teams owners are willing to spend the extra money to, to, you know, extent to, you know, there's, there's always a, a ceiling, if they think they're going to be in, in championship contention. And if they're not, then it's <clears throat> why am I, why am I throwing all this extra money out there? Um, so the Kings need to be on a trajectory where it looks like they're viable contenders um, without having asked Vivek Ranadive or any of his partners, what they're willing to do or how far they're willing to go. I'm, I'm willing to guess that if, if they've got a realistic chance at a championship, they'll probably say, sure, we can do it for a year or two. Uh you know, and then of course you 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 do have to worry about other things, right? If you get too high, um, the payroll gets too high. Now the ta- you know the taxes not only increase, but we've got this second apron that's just been introduced in the new CBA, where you now are losing all kinds of cap exceptions. It gets harder and harder to keep building a team. Um, do I think that the luxury taxes in the Kings near future? Yeah, probably. Like they're good enough, and they've got players that they're going to have to pay, and so it's almost inevitable. Every team that is doing anything worthwhile at some point is going to edge into the luxury tax or go full bore into it. It's just a matter of degree and how many years you're there. Today's episode of Locked on Kings is also brought to you by Ibotta. If you're getting groceries, going school shopping, maybe getting something for yourself on top of that, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. You can link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's super easy. The average Ibotta user saves $120, rather earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, help you pay for a vacation. If you're a video gamer like me, it basically gets you two video games. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back in a year from Ibotta. Plus, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers like uh, Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, 
and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. I wanted to let you in on what I what I call a, a Sacramento softy secret a little bit. With the with the Bradley Beal sweepstakes, like I was truth be told, never interested in, in Bradley Beal because of his contract, because of is you you vault yourself into a luxury tax team without having any any proof that it's gonna work. Plus, like I don't know how realistic it was that the Kings could put together a competitive package. Anyway, regardless, like the one thing that from that report that caught my attention and that made a lot of Sacramento Kings fans feel good is the fact that Shams reported that Bradley Beal would consider the Sacramento Kings and would waive his no trade clause or would choose to actually play for the Sacramento Kings, which if you had told me that a year ago, if you had said last off season, the Kings would be in a position where a player to the caliber of Bradley Beal, even though he doesn't have to worry about getting paid anytime soon, <laughs> the, the that caliber would be willing to join the Sacramento Kings. I would have told you, wow, the Kings are doing something, something right. From the national perspective, when you see a player like that, that is like, okay, maybe Sacramento is worth playing for. I know that's a trade situation, not necessarily a free agency situation. The Kings in Sacramento has never really been a free agency destination, but is that a good outlier of, or a good indication of the growth of the Kings and their reputation changing? Uh, Kings fans who are old enough might recall that once upon a time, Chris Weber was traded to the Kings in what was one of the most significant uh, transactions in franchise history and was not happy about it. Nope. <laughs> and it wasn't clear that he was actually going to show up, although you can't hold out in this league if you're under contract. Um, and we know what happened. He stayed. He even signed a massive extension at some point. Um, he uh, led them to the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Uh, I will say no more about that series. Um, and he, but he, he heralded and, 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 was the centerpiece of the greatest era in, in Sacramento history. Um, it's been a long time since that group faded out and then went into purgatory. And yeah, I would say that Sacramento for most of the last 15, 16 years has been regarded as a place that guys do not want to go. And a lot of things have happened to create that, but guess what? The nets were not a destination for the longest time. The Clippers were not a destination for the longest time. And those two teams in 2019 I don't care what's happened since. I know like neither of them got what they wanted out of the summer of 2019. But when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving picked the Brooklyn Nets, it was a huge moment for that franchise that has always been the little brother in the New York market that was never a destination, whether they were in New Jersey or Brooklyn. The Clippers getting Kawhi Leonard to choose them and then Paul George wanting to come along with him in, in that trade. Those two stars, again, I know it has not worked out. I know there's been injuries. But do you know what it meant for the Los Angeles Clippers? Like with all of the humiliation, all of the dysfunction, all of the just crap that came with that franchise for decades under Donald Sterling to now be the, the, the choice of two of the, at that time, top 15 players in the NBA? That's huge. Bradley Beal not a top 15 player right now. I'm not even sure he's top 25 or 30 at the moment. Then he, ha and he has all these other things going on with the contract and the no trade, like the, all these things that made him his, the, the trade to Phoenix. Like they got him for a song, right? For a, for a player of his caliber though, to say Sacramento is, is a, is a team I'd consider. Yes. It's meaningful. I think it's meaningful. And I think it, it speaks to the transformation they've had in the public 
in, in terms of their public image over the last year, whether that's uh, Mike Brown and players really responding to him and players across the league having great regard for Mike Brown, whether it's the, the savvy moves the front office has made. Um, they're, they're, they're viewed differently today. I've not surveyed players and their agents, but I'm confident that if uh, the next time the athletic deploys their army of NBA reporters to do one of their periodic polls, if they were to include a, a line about like, I don't think they will, cause this was getting drilling a little too deep, but like, <laughs> how do you view say the Sacramento Kings today versus a year ago or two years ago? Yeah. I, I, I think we'd find out that, 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 players and their agents are regarding them a lot more highly now and that the image is, is changing. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't dismiss it's, it's, it, I'm glad you brought it up, Matt. I, I don't dismiss that at all. Bradley Beal considering the Kings uh, to me is, is on a, a par with in, in some regard um, what happened with the Nets and the Clippers several years ago. When it comes to, free agency destination like you mentioned for for those organizations to turn things around winning certainly helps with, with stuff like that even golden state struggled for a while and then became the dynasty that they are of course but for for the, the a team like the kings or a city like sacramento like how much do the the little traits of a city and organization matter to free agents what i mean by that is like the state tax in california or how great the fan base is and like the, 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 the fan base and how, how they showed up for the, uh, the, the return to the playoffs or like whether it's cost of living or the, the facilities or things like that. Like how much did those little traits may, maybe even like big market for, for big endorsement deals, how much did those matter in a decision of a, of a free agent versus simply like winning or initial contract money? Everything matters and everything matters in a different order, depending on the player, right? You could create a pie chart of all these things. Like who's the coach, who's the GM, who's the owner and what's their reputation for spending or not spending or how they, how they treat their, their employees or their players. Um, what are the fans like? What's the city like? What's the nightlife like? What's the weather like? What's my role going to be? What's my contract going to be? And I just, you know, ended with the two things that are probably the most important in most free agent decisions. It's probably going to be role and contract in some order first, and then all of these other things. And, you know, when I referenced the Clippers and nuts a little while ago, sure. These were two really big markets, but these were two big markets with teams that were not regarded as destinations, despite being in New York, a, a great market for marketing purposes and nightlife purposes, LA great for weather in addition to everything else. And Sacramento doesn't have that to offer, right? They've got the, they've got, you know, certainly got the weather over a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Rust Belt places and uh, some Northeast places. Um, not a big market, but not a tiny market by any stretch uh, either. Um, it is the state capital still, I believe, last I checked. Um, and there's a lot else to like there. But I don't think, like, I think the regard for the franchise is what matters most in this particular conversation, right? At one time, you weren't going to even consider the Kings because the reputation was just that bad, and it was a small market, mm. and they hadn't had any success in forever. Um, but now you look at them a little bit differently, and, you know, look, it, it's there's, there's, a, there's a lot there to like. Um, I think, you know, I, you know, like players, they might be, you know, if they're sitting at home in the playoffs and, like, they see – Jurassic Park packed during the Raptors run, or they see the Deer District packed in Milwaukee when the Bucks made their run. I think those things make an impression. It's mm -hmm. not definitive in terms of what decision you're making as a free agent, but you're looking at that and going like, 
man, that'd be a cool place to play. Look at how those fans come out. Because it's not the case everywhere. There are some soft markets in this in this league in terms of fan support. So it can make an impression and it could get you a little excited, but it's still probably coming down to more like contract role, who your teammates are, who your coach is, all that stuff first. Well, Anthony Edwards did say that Sacramento is his favorite place to play, which has given Sacramento Kings fans a completely unrealistic desire to have him <laughs> join the Kings at some point in free agency. Good luck with that, but we still love yeah. the compliment. Howard, finally, I think Kings fans are antsy seeing what the Suns are doing and other teams are doing and, and all the points that you brought up about how teams in the West are only getting better and the Kings might drop a few spots. I think Kings fans are antsy to want to improve right now. And we've discussed this before. The best line of improvement in terms of the starting lineup, or at least the clearest path to improvement involves replacing Harrison Barnes, but through going through sign and trade exercises, different conversations that I've had, plus Barnes's reliability playing every single game this season. The fact that Barnes has been here and understands this place and understands his role and what he's trying to do. I'm, I'm in the belief that it's in the King's best interest to bring Harrison Barnes back. If I remember correctly, you said last time we discussed, yes, bring Harrison Barnes back. That is the move to make. Do you still, do you still feel that way and think that Barnes or a move of bringing Barnes back is, I mean, I, I think it's going to be the foundation of this offseason, no matter what, what they decided yeah. to do with Barnes, but bringing him back is the, probably the right move for where the Kings are at. I think that's the case for all kinds of reasons, you know, because of his role, because of his, uh, his, his bird rights and he's the guy you can sign. And if he leaves, you, you can't just outright replace him because of his skill set and his size and his character. And like, he's just kind of one of these glue pieces. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you pull one thread and the whole thing comes unraveled. Right. And he's, he's a thread I don't necessarily want to be pulling on right now. So I, yes, yes, right now, but also because he's a guy who, if the contract is reasonable, I'm not going to define what that is. Cause I'm not sure what that is, but mm -hmm reasonable in the in the view of the rest of the league he's a guy you that you you want to keep because he's also an asset for later he might he might be a guy who's the centerpiece of a bigger trade at some point um you want to keep all the valuable players you can at the most you know reasonable salaries you can um even if they're you know oh well we have this ideal thought of what of what our our power forward should look like you know what we if we could just build one from scratch it would look like this and and, it, and this, this player is, is better than Harrison Barnes, but we can't get that guy. That guy may not exist or he's just not mm -hmm. available. So you, you keep what you've got until you can find the creative ways to upgrade, but you can't just lose a guy outright. And I'm, I have no doubt that, that teams are going to be chasing him. Howard, you're incredible as always. I appreciate your time. Really uh, appreciate it here on draft week. Of course, too, things are about to heat up and I know uh, you're going to get just busier and busier as time goes on. So uh, it really is a treat, really is a, a pleasure. Maybe have you back on after free agency shakes up a little bit and we see what the Kings do going into training camp and stuff like that. Uh, but thank you so much for your time as always. Great friend of the show. Uh, and I can't wait to have you back on. Always a pleasure, Matt. Thanks, man. Big thank you to Howard for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. A pleasure as always to have him on, and I hope you enjoyed that. We're getting closer to the draft, just two days away. Tomorrow, I'll have a roundtable with some familiar faces here in Sacramento. Frankie Cardicelli, Brendan Nunez, uh, and uh, Chris Watkins, uh, two from the Return of the Roar. Brendan Nunez, of course, from the Kings Pulse podcast. Uh, all four of us are going to sit down and discuss what we think the Kings should do and are going to do 
on draft night. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. I hope you would join us for that. And then, of course, it's going to be draft Thursday. I'll be at the Golden One Center inside the Kings practice facility uh, to watch the draft, to cover the post-draft press conference and everything like that. And we'll have a podcast there from the practice facility uh, as well for you on Thursday. So keep it tuned right here to Locked On Kings. More great stuff coming. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.